We made this. What? The cat just came in. Oh, right. <laughs> Hello. She wants to be part of the podcast. It's Thanks less say. It's less noisy to just let her wander in than leave her... Leave her scratching at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Daisy. <laughs> Without a Mouse podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. It's getting a lot easier to say that. I'm getting used to the flow now. Does it feel a little bit more fluid? Yeah. My name's Tim, and I'm here again with my partner, Kirsty. Hello. Because we are going to do a... Decombobulated. So, so yeah, this is our second decombobulated episode where we will be reviewing a Disney Channel original movie. Two weeks in a row we've managed to get an episode out, which is pretty cool. This is a bit of a bonus episode this week, um, basically because of our charity geekathon. Stop looking at the cat. Oh, she's cute. You live with her every day. Oh, no. She'll be used to her by now. Well, she's getting comfy on your jumper. For God's sake. <laughs> I literally just washed a jumper today because it had was absolutely covered in cat hair and stuff, and uh, it came out of the wash still covered in cat hair. Yep. And now she's she's, she's sat on two more now. Little shit. <laughs> yeah. So um, we are actually, as we speak, this has been recorded obviously a week in advance, but as we speak, we will be starting our Geekathon charity event, which is something that we do every year. And it's a movie marathon, sponsored movie marathon. And this year we are doing Disney films. So we thought, what better way to uh, commemorate it than with a bonus episode today? So, Kirsty, do you want to tell people a little bit about the Geekathon, what it is? Yeah, I mean, we we decided we wanted to do something when we lived in York for a local charity. It took us a while to think of something and then... It just kind of came to us for geeky movie marathons, hence Geekathon. Because we're massive Geeky dogs. marathon. And it just kind of went from there. Like, we've chosen a different charity every year, and we watch a film series that lasts at least, well, up to 24 hours. Yeah, we've 24-ish hours. We've done yeah, something like 20... 22, give or take, for a couple of them. Yeah. Um, we're on our fourth one this year. Um, we started with Lord of the Rings... Yeah. Um, then we've done Harry Potter and Star Wars, and then obviously this year because we do it as um as an open house. So as well as us watching the movies, we let all our friends come round, friends and family. So we make meals so that people can sort of dip in and out. So stay for as much or as little as they want to. Yeah. So this year we've actually got your sister and her fella are hoping to stay for the whole event. Yep, they were there last year as well. They were the only ones there with us at 7 o'clock the following morning when it finished. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard work, but it's definitely worth it for the money we raise. I mean, we've not done bad each year, have we, really? Yeah, I I did the maths the other day, and uh, over the years we've averaged just under uh, £700 a year that we've raised, which is pretty cool. Okay, that's a good average then. Some years better, some some not as as good. But um, yeah, so this year we are raising money for um, a charity called Carter's Journey, which is, um, there's a little 
boy that lives local to us uh, called Carter. Um, he's a little toddler who has cerebral palsy. Um, and the main reason we uh, we were happy to choose cha- uh, Carter's charity uh, to support was that um, my big sister Tilly um, has cerebral palsy as well. So it's a, a, a charity that we're, we understand quite well. We understand especially the financial difficulties that can come with having a a child that's got cerebral palsy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice to kind of have something that's close to home and close to our hearts as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously now that we've moved to, to Grimsby, we're doing some uh, Grimsby charities each year, I reckon. I don't know what we're going to do next year. I don't know. We'll think of something. I think I think Disney, like, we've, had, we've got the mo- most people coming that we've ever had this year. Yeah, I think partly because it's back home, but also partly because it's Disney, because, like, everyone we know love Disney as who does, much as who we do. Who doesn't want to sit and watch Disney movies all afternoon and have an excuse to do it? <laughs> and eat crap. Yeah, so I've, <laughs> so I've I've got our film schedule here just to give a idea of how ridiculous it is. So we've decided to watch. Well, the original plan was to watch every theatrically released Disney animated movie of the nineties. Yeah, because we needed a way to kind of narrow it down, didn't we? Yeah. So we thought best best time to do it would be the you know the Disney Renaissance, the Disney decade. When we um, when we sort of grew up with, wasn't it? So we made our first timetable. Um, to then later discover that the film Doug's first movie was never released on DVD, so or or in fact any other way. So we were like, great, we can't watch that one. So we've had to scrub that off the list, but then decided to make it keep it long. So we then added The Little Mermaid to the beginning because uh, that was released in 1989. Yeah. So just before the 90s, but obviously it's the it's still considered part of the Disney Renaissance. So yeah, that was, it was why we picked it. Kind of our next best bet, wasn't it? And then after we'd settled on that timetable, we then got the Disney Live streaming app to find that Doug's first movie is available on that. Which was like, yay, but also no, because we've just changed the timetable and figured out what we're doing. Yeah. But with it being a, a charity event, we can't really rely on uh, the internet working for that whole time. And no. the Disney Life app is pretty unreliable anyway. So we're pretty happy to stay where we are. But yeah, so as of today, when you guys are listening to this, if you're listening to it on Saturday, we're starting at 9am with The Little Mermaid. Then at 10.24 is DuckTales the movie. 11.38, The Rescuers Down Under. 12.55, Beauty and the Beast. 2.19, Aladdin. 3.49, The Lion King. Uh, 17 minutes past four. Five, Five. <laughs> this goofy movie. Six thirty-five, Poker Hunters. Seven fifty-seven, Toy Story. Nine eighteen, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ten forty-nine, Hercules. Then Mulan starts on the Sunday at twenty-two minutes past midnight. Then at one forty-nine a.m., A Bug's Life. Three twenty-four a.m., Tarzan. <laughs> Four fifty-two a.m., Toy Story. And then um, we're due to end at six twenty-four in the morning with a catch, with a caveat, which we have never done before. No, this is the first time we've done this. And we uh, also kind of messed up a little bit because when we did the first timetable, we only scheduled Beauty and the Beast to last for half an hour. Yeah, so we so, thought we were ending earlier than we are, but we were actually we were an hour ahead. So yeah, so we decided <laughs> if we get to seven hundred pounds raised by the end of Toy Story two, we will then watch Moana, which was voted for on Twitter. Yeah, we did like um, uh, almost like a football league table for people to vote on uh, which which film they thought would we should watch, and uh, Moana was by far and away the winner. Yeah. So hopefully by what time is it? Uh, four fifty-two a.m. tomorrow. If we can reach the seven hundred pound target, then we have to watch another film before then. So, 
If anyone can spare a few quid, that would be amazing. The place you can sponsor us is our Just Giving page, which is justgiving.com forward slash geekathon force. And that's G E E K T H. No, it isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Silently shaking my head. No. It's G E E K A T H O N. And the number four. Wait. <laughs> I got there. And also, um, if you want to, um, we're going to be putting all sorts of updates throughout the day, uh, doing live videos and such on Twitter. Um, so you can follow us at Disney Geekathon, which is the same spelling. So as I said, we're, we're recording this the week before on the Friday. So we think we're going to be ready on time. We've got, we're, we're pretty. <laughs> I hope so. We, we, we've still done quite a lot of um, decorations, haven't we? We've um, Yeah, we've done a few bits. We don't sort of rigorously sit there staring at the screen for 24 hours. We like to plan little activities that we can do throughout the day. We always do a quiz, um, which um, I will try and maybe live stream that, the quiz in the evening. Yeah. Um, I will uh, post on the Twitter page today. Um, what time the quiz will be streaming so then if you wanted to play along at home you can watch through our twitter account we've come up with some good uh fun little games of our own actually this year haven't we because normally we we always do things like buy some trivial pursuit cards and some top trumps cards to play but yeah. we've also i think like we we struggle sometimes don't we with well not necessarily struggle with the theming because it's always been films and things that we are actually interested in um yeah but Disney is so broad that we, I think we've just found it a lot easier to find things to do. And it's more kind of available. I mean, I know Star Wars is, is Disney, but because we're doing just Disney as a whole, it's been a lot easier to find different things to do and kind of come up with things because we've got yeah. more of a scope from where we can go. Mm. But yeah, so that's our uh, charity Geekathon. Even after the event, you can still... Uh, donate to the just giving page so if you have a few quid and you think we've done a good job or you think uh it's a good cause then please please give us a, a few quid yeah. anything that you can spare is great and as i say again it's just giving.com forward slash geekathon for <laughs> right plug out the way yeah let's get cracking we haven't actually well, people, whoever's watching this will already know what we've watched because it was... Nobody's it, watching this, it's a podcast. Listen, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyone that's listening to this will already know what we, film we watched because it has come up on there as the title of the episode. Yes. But we didn't actually mention, obviously, because these DCOMs are a bit off the cuff, we didn't exactly pick a film last time, did we? Obviously, first time we chose High School Musical because it was something we obviously both knew, both familiar with. Um, but this time we just kind of went on the app and I said, right, we'll yeah, pick I, film I, number seven. That's it, yeah. I picked, I kind of picked the first one, so I was very democratic and let you pick. And then you were even more democratic by just picking a random number. Yeah, because I've, I've seen a few, few Disney Channel movies, not many, but I thought this way it's completely random. Yeah. We're going in blind, so yeah, neither of the, us have any idea what what's coming. Yeah, the Disney laugh... I, the Disney Life app actually lets you view all Disney Channel original movies as a as a sub genre. So that's yeah. what we did, and then we literally picked, uh, went to whichever was the seventh film, and it was Teen Beach Movie. Yay! I hadn't even heard of this before watching it. Had nope. you? Nope, never. Absolutely no idea what was 
coming. And I think that kind of helped in a sense because I had no expectations. It was jumping in blind, seeing what happened. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So I think it it came out in 2013. So So quite a modern one. But even that, I heard 2013, I think that's like last year. Six years ago. (laughs) Six years is mental. But yeah, so let's get stuck right into this one. Starting off um, with the credits. So for this credit sequence, um, basically we have a kind of surfery pop song whilst we're seeing shots of all these, well, these two surfers out on the waves. And it's a pretty girl and a pretty boy and they're clearly in love because they're fooling around in the water. Well, not fooling around. Not fooling around. No, they're (laughs) messing around. Um, (laughs) I think the thing that got me is just it just looked like so much fun. Yeah. Like instantly I was like, oh, this is fun. This is happy. I'm enjoying this. Like it was colourful and it... the sea was so clear. That's not what we get here in uh, when we go down Cleethorpe's Beach. We get yeah, and it's brown. The Humber Estuary and, cold and it's just and full of used condoms. It's gross. It's absolutely <laughs> gross. The, so this just looked like paradise. <laughs> I thought it was quite a generic opening, but um, the thing that made me laugh was um, the very first line of the song that was playing over it. The first line was, "Tell me, baby, is this good for you?" And I thought. A bit adult content for a for <laughs> a, a Disney movie. movie, and obviously the the I can't remember what the following lyrics were, but they basically made it not about Rudy's. But uh, that no, was the... it was just about like <laughs> surfing, fun. But as a since it was the very first dialogue that you hear in the film, I was a bit like, oh wait, calm down. <laughs> this is not what we came here for. I'm still on the right app, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong kind of team movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first scene, we go into a surf hut um, where we see Grandpa watching a movie. And so we recognise the name because, obviously, we saw the main casts um, on the app before we started watching. Yeah. And uh, Barry Bostwick was the name that stood out, but we couldn't quite Yeah, and we, we both kind him. of thought, this is a name we recognise. You searched it on IMDb. Was, yeah. And then just before you told me, I remembered who it was. And it's obviously... Well, it's basically musical theatre royalty because it's... Yeah. Barry Boswick, who plays Brad in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But as an old man. Yeah, he's. He, you wouldn't recognise him unless you unless you knew that. You, you can still no. see in his eyes it's the same guy, but facially yeah. it looks completely different. I think if we hadn't have seen the name, we wouldn't have looked at him and gone, oh, that's Brad from Rocky Horror. So because we knew it was Barry Bostwick, I kind of had a feeling that this film was going to turn out to be a musical. I don't know yeah. if... Yeah, I mean, with him being in it, I was sort of kind of hoping it was going to sway that way yeah we then find out that the movie that grandpa is watching um is called wet side story ah do you get it do you get it because it's surfing hey yeah some very some very subtle wordplay there Mm, yeah Um, and basically um it's supposed to be a sort of a beach teen movie from from the 60s um which obviously was a big thing at the time Mm, Um, yeah absolutely surfers and but it's in USA or And that. he's watching it on like a really old fashioned TV. Um, but the one thing I noticed was like, it's, a, you know, it's supposed to be from the 60s, but it looks incredibly high definition, this this film that he's watching. Yeah, like all the outfits and stuff and the background, it was clearly meant to be 60s. You could see it straight away, but the actual quality hadn't exactly been downgraded, had it? No. And then our main characters, the two the two surfers from earlier, Mackenzie, who is the girl. Mac. 
Yeah, she calls herself Mac from here on out. Because she's cool. And then uh, her boyfriend is called... Have you not written this down? Uh, no, I haven't. Brady. But Brady, that's <laughs> the one. Mac and Brady. I have a real difficulty in the, when all of these films that we've been reviewing, remembering what people are called. The Well, the thing with this, so when we did um, High School Musical, we had G&T, Gabriella and Troy. Oh, yeah, and now we've got... I, we've now got B&M, the, uh, Brady, Brady and Mac. The quality uh, food homeware chain in the UK, B&M, <laughs> which everyone knows and loves. Yeah. So, bit different to a G and T in it, bit bit less yeah, refined. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you can probably buy it in there, but but yeah, basically Mackenzie is or Mac is um, taking the piss out of her granddad, saying that like he's an idiot for enjoying these films and thinks they're all How cheesy. How could you enjoy a musical? And I was thinking it's it's going that way. It's going yeah, that way. She's uh, setting herself to, for failure there, isn't she? Yeah. Whereas her boyfriend Brady is like obsessed with the film and knows all the dance moves and it's his favorite really, film, isn't yeah. it? You can see that we're setting up for some kind of conflict later on between liking musicals and not liking musicals. Um, and then um, Mackenzie's aunt arrives, who's sort of played up to be the villain of the piece, sort of. She's obviously woken up from the wrong side of the bed this morning, not had a coffee yet. Yeah, she's a little bit uh, a little bit grumpy. Yeah, aunt, Antoinette. Was that I, her name? I believe that was her <laughs> name. Um, but she was... Yeah, she's not a nice lady. Kind of a bit of a wicked stepmother-y sort of vibe I think I got from her. Yeah, but um, the reason she's arrived is that she is going to be taking Mackenzie across the country um, to go to school from the very next day. To a prep school, to a, to a fancy prep school, which uh, Mackenzie hasn't bothered to tell Brad about, Brady, Brady. about. Um, <laughs> see, I can't even get the name right. Brady is absolutely heartbroken. Um, oh, and then in this scene... Um, when everyone's sort of fighting about this, the auntie then mentions about a mystical surfboard, which seemed really like out of left field well, she, a bit I think there. she just kind of was like, this surfboard is a thing and it's going to be a thing throughout the movie. Pay attention to it. Yeah, but it's really like obvious, like very yeah. blunt. She's, yeah, she's it's meant of, to be subtle, but it's just not. She stops the conversation to be like, oh, have you still got that mystical surfboard that the family have been banging on about for decades? And Granddad's like, well, yeah. Yes, up there. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, yeah, so then um, Brady and Mackenzie go outside of the hut to have a moody conversation. Um, And obviously Brady's really hurt that she's not told him. Um, And Mackenzie basically then reveals that this was the plan all along. After her parents died, she said. Well, she said about her mum. Yeah, we don't know about her dad. We don't, we but don't really find out about dad, do we? But she said about mum died, and she. I think she kind of wants to follow in mum's footsteps, doesn't she? What is it with Disney films and all of the parents dying at I don't a young know. age? I don't know. Even in like the non-cartoon films, there's always like a dead parent. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> the family's plan was that she would. Um, live with her grandpa for the first few years of high school um, and then when she really needs to knuckle down she'll go to this fancy prep school um, but it's something that she never told Brady about and he's obviously pissed yeah um, but he's he's happy to kind of say I'm going to wait for you because because he's, he's super in love but Mackenzie's being a lot more pragmatic and like what's the point we'll probably never see each other don't again don't bother mate <laughs> and then um, she basically says that it was her mum's dying wish that she makes a you know, has a really successful life going forward. So she's basically saying that being a surfer is stupid and she needs to grow up. 
Yeah, she's kind of like, yeah, I enjoy it, but it's not my destiny. You know, I need to be like my mama. Which, in a way, is kind of... Uh, it's kind of sweet that she wants to... Yeah, it's quite... You a, know, she obviously looked up to her mum, so... It's it's a very... As I said, it's a very pragmatic approach to looking at your future, so I totally get where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, I feel it. But obviously, Braid, she could have done it in a more tactful way, let's say. Yeah. And then we see a shot of the magical surfboard glowing. <laughs> I just wrote magic surfboard flower. I just yeah. So there's a there's a big big picture of a flower. Um, You've done it in capitals as well. Yeah, so have I. I just put magic surfboard glows. <laughs> so if I were both written in capitals, like <laughs> look at it, it's a thing. Oh, and uh, another thing is in this scene, Mackenzie uh, says that West that wet side wet side story is not like real life, and that Brady shouldn't. Um, mm. idolise it so much which again seems to be foreshadowing that something's going to happen Yeah. Um, and then we cut to the next morning when she's supposed to be going with her auntie on the flight and uh, Mackenzie takes the board out surfing instead because there was this big wave that there was supposed to be uh, that everyone's waiting for. There was a storm, wasn't there? And it was yeah. meant to be like the most epic wave at the island and she's got to ride the wave before she goes. And and Grandad's on the beach saying, oh, the sky doesn't look good and the Coast Guard's looking worried. Um, and then it's very obvious that... Uh, we kind of just knew what was going to happen next, didn't we? Yeah, so... We, we kind of predicted... Yeah, this was a point I've actually circled. I, I, I put prediction because we'd made the prediction that yeah. um, she was going to basically wipe out or something similar and or, end up yeah, end up in a coma or something in a coma that's then going to make wet side story happen Become real. so it was a bit like you know the wizard of oz kind of yeah and you were there and you, you were, were there, there and you were there but uh yeah so she goes under a wave uh brady um he go, he's already on his way out to rescue her isn't he yeah, on so a jet by the time ski. he gets to her they both kind of get they both fluff it under yeah they both fluff it basically um but when they come up from the waves, the storm has gone, and it's Ooh. calm seas. Oh, and sunshine! And uh, as they make it to the beach, they realise that their hair was dry when they came out of the water, and everyone on the beach is looking very sixties. Uh, yeah, because well, sort of. Well, towards um, I meant to say before, to, like near the beginning, um, when they were watching Wet Side Story on the telly, Mac kind of says like, oh, they always have dry hair, even though they've just come out of the water. And kind of picks on a lot of, sort of musical, like, cliches and yeah. stuff like that. So then all of a sudden, she comes out of the water, her hair is dry, and we go, uh-oh. And then, yes, yeah, so she's, they go up to the beach, they see people all getting ready for a big musical number, and she says, we died and woke up in a musical! Which sounds ace, to be honest. I'd, I'd I'd be happy with that. I'd be more than happy to live my life as a musical, if I could sing. But she's absolutely mortified that she's woken up in a musical, um, whereas Brady's absolutely buzzing, as you can imagine, from earlier. And, like, literally, as soon as they turn around on the beach, everybody starts, like, clicking or singing. Yeah, and, and they do a big... Uh, they All these teens on the beach do a big dance number with their beach balls and towels, which, first of all, reminded me of High School Musical, High School musical the where balls, they were doing the basketballs, yeah. which was pretty funny. Um, there was um, there was a bit that I noticed. It was another lyrics thing, um, where he's saying like, "I can see my reflection in my surfboard shine," and it's like, "Mate, you, you can see. It's not like a mirror. You can, <laughs> you cannot see yourself in your surfboard." And there was a shot of him looking in the surfboard, and I was like, "Nah, just talking of lyrics as well." There was the bit that was absolutely blatant hairspray ripoff. 
in the song. Oh, they were kind of, it was like a limbo thing, wasn't it? Yeah, where the camera stays put and then all of the characters run towards the camera and tell you their names. I'm blah, blah, and I'm blah, blah, and I'm blah, blah. Which is just like... um, It literally happens in Hairspray. Yeah. And then straight from this, um, we go into the hut, which was called um, Papa's Hut, Big Big Papa's Hut. Um, but in the 60s, it's called Big Mama's Hut. And instead of being a beach house, it is well, basically like a, a diner. Like a surf shack yeah. diner type thing, isn't it? There was a kind of funny bit of dialogue where Brady calls someone a dog. And uh, they get yeah. like in a sort of cool kind of you dog kind of way. And everyone gets offended. Um, but then two minutes later, they... Uh, like a crazy cat or Yeah, they call someone it? a crazy cat and they they make a joke about sort of like, like dogs aren't allowed but cats are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like which I thought was quite sort of I totally get it. Um cuz they'd use like words like chick yet yet again another animal but it, you know it's still okay to use that. Yeah. And then we find out that there's um what they call a surf and turf war because which I actually thought it was quite clever. Yeah, that made me laugh out loud. Uh but it was um basically the bike there's a group of bikers called the rodents and they want to have the shack to themselves without the surfers being there. Yep. Um, but obviously the surfers want to be there without the bikers. So w- we've got a, yet another conflict, basically. Which is kind of the premise of West Side Story. But one thing I thought was um, the surfers, their looks seemed a bit too modern for the 60s, I thought. Like, obviously you could have patterned outfits in the 60s, but mm. I felt like... In general, it tended to be patterned shirts with plain shorts, whereas they'd gone full patterns for a lot of them. So, like, I thought that the the shorts that, a lot, especially the guys, looked like they were wearing more modern clothes. They looked a bit more kind of like chino shorts rather than yeah. It was all sort of more modern, like style sta- as well. Which... Not not just style, but like fabrics. I don't know if it's because it's in HD, but you could see that it. You know, like I wanted to see a lot more polyester and like. Yeah. Plast- plasticky looking clothes what whereas everything looked worn in the 60s. yeah and everything looked brand new like nothing you know for a, for a gang of surfers nothing looked like it had been bleached sun bleached yeah, or anything but it's a musical though. everything's know. shiny and it's... perfect in a musical yeah but then when the bikers rocked up obviously they looked a lot more so i felt they looked more time accurate yeah um the, just the jackets and the the way they kind of had like the t-shirt with a waistcoat which is a bit of a it's not something people do now is it no, but it was um, as well like their mannerisms when they were dancing. Because then we get to our yeah. next, we get to our next song, which was called "Cruising for a Bruising," which was pretty good. Um, but it was yeah, they were doing a lot of sort of low down sort of what, clicks. What and... I would call like Elvis knees. Yes, where they, yeah, where they've got like the skinny black jeans and the converse, so they've still got kind of that yeah. cool sixties kids vibe, but the Elvis like legs and the. But the thing I wrote for this was that "Cruising for a Bruising." And um, this dance and song number was better than anything that was in High School Musical. And I was, bloody loved it. It was like, I felt like I was, you know, toe tapping and clicking and there was such a beat to it and everything was timed really well. Yeah. And like, it was like, um, one of the criticisms that I had of High School Musical was that like all the songs sounded very similar musically and it was all yeah. very cheaply done on like a synthesizer or, I mean, or a keyboard whereas this one had actual guitars in it I mean, like it was, it was a p- film but this really did yeah stand up like like you say the guitars and the actual music even the um the cinematography was better like yeah. the camera movements were 
pretty good. Really liked this bit. At, at this point, I was absolutely rooting for this film. Yeah, me too. I've just put, I wrote, like, I'm loving it. And during this number, Brady joins in and knows the words because it's his favourite film. Like, he's absolutely buzzing yeah. <laughs> to be in this film. And again, like, with it being a quite a large cast, we were introduced to the main characters in a really sort of, in a way that you do remember them. Yeah. Like, whereas in High School Musical, where we... Uh, another criticism of High School Musical was that everybody looked... Were dressed the same. Like, everyone mm. was dressed like a popular kid in, and very trendy, even if they were supposed to be nerds and things. Whereas yeah. in this, because you've got the two factions, you can easily see personality types from their look. Yeah, there's a very clear division yeah. between the two gangs, which is, again, it's exactly what exactly what you want and what you expect from a musical. Yeah. Um, so then we go for a little scene outside of the hut um, where they're basically trying to figure out how they're going to get home because obviously they haven't got a cell phone and none of their parents have been born at this point so they can't go and talk to them. And then Brady basically s- says that at the end of the film there is a big storm. So the plan is that they will basically just... Ride out on ride, the storm. Yeah, and... Um, just breeze through this film, just do as they're told, just hang about and then get into this storm and hopefully it should get them back home. They kind of go by what he knows from the movie. So they decide, he says, like, if we get invited to a party, then we can kind of go with the flow of the rest of the film and make this happen at the end. Yeah. And then um, Matt gets really mad and is basically saying, I'm not partying, this is stupid. And then we actually get a jump cut to them being stood in exactly the same spot, but they're in uh, 60s clothing. And I just loved it. I was like, yeah, this is it. And she, like, Max all, oh my God, what's happening? And he's like, well, you're in a musical. But this yeah, is that's what it. it. There's a jump cut, but they are aware of the jump cut. So yeah. for them, no time has passed. And she's just like, how am I suddenly in these clothes? And he's like, oh, well, it's a movie. Like, Which is what I liked about it all the way through is that they were just blatantly saying, we are in a musical. This is happening. And it's, it was taking the mick out of itself. Yeah, the tone is absolutely like, let's take the piss out of old school musicals. And it does work like, yeah. it, in, a, in a really strong way. It, I think it, it points out the obvious things that, as a viewer with other musicals, you, you're like, mm, that only happens in a musical. People yeah. don't change their clothes that quickly, but it's a yeah. musical, so you accept it. Yeah, so um, then we go into back into Big Mama's Hut for the evening party. Um and she's got a house band called the Mama's Boys, which I thought was great. Yeah, I saw that on the <laughs> drum and I was like, yep. And um, basically they've got uh, one of the biker chicks is uh, singing and her name was... I've got it. Wait. <laughs> Layla. Layla, yeah. So Layla is singing a song. Uh, again, a really great number. Yeah. And um, we're backing singers in a full band, which works really well. Um, but she falls off the stage and is caught by Brady. Which, as he points out, she is meant to be caught by... Um, Guy with shiny teeth, is what I've written. I wrote his name and then I wrote it wrong. From here on out, this guy... Tanner! Tanner. I wrote his name was Denny and I was like, I don't know who Denny is. Yeah, so um, (laughs) our friend Tanner, from me, from now on, will be called Pretty Boy. Okay. Because uh, I... Don't think I even heard his name at any point throughout the film. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely got the name, but um, but yeah, basically the- they're worried because they're accidentally changing the plot of the film. Yeah, um, Brady and- kind of soon realizes that Tanner is meant to catch Layla. 
but instead Brady does. And, and then it's very it's... obvious from the shot that she now fancies it's Brady. It's like love at first sight, isn't it? Um, and then um, Pretty Boy keeps um, hitting on Mac as well. So it's we're accidentally... We've created two new couples. Yeah. And it becomes really obvious because after this bit, all of the other characters stop what they're doing and they basically they don't know what to do because the film isn't taking the narrative, the, the journey that it's supposed to go on. So they all stop what they're doing because they're all confused. And then, so Mac is basically saying, are there any plot points we accidentally changed that could stop the storm from happening? Because obviously it wouldn't matter if things change as long as they get to the storm. As long as it ends the same. Um, But it turns out that there's a secret plot that Brady hasn't talked about yet, which is that there is a a bad guy called Les Camembert. Which is genius. Oh, beautiful name. But he's creating a... He wants to buy the whole beach... But Big Mama won't let him have the hut, so he's created a weather machine which um, will stop the waves, so stop the surfers, surfers coming. Yeah. So, but it also will rain too much to rust the bike, so that the bikers don't go either. Oh right, yeah. So the plan, uh, what happens at the end of the movie normally is that the two uh, pretty boy and Layla, who are in love will then go to the lighthouse to destroy his machine, which causes the storm, storm. which they can get back on. So basically, they're saying that by uh, sort of stopping them from falling in love, they've stopped the storm from happening. So they might not be able to get back home. And it was at this point that I was like, Disney, why do you make all of your live-action plots so fucking complicated? It isn't necessary but when you've watched it and explaining it back it makes so much more sense to me now it's fine it's fine when you're watching it you can go with it but trying to explain it on a fucking podcast is ridiculous and it makes it sound so complicated but yeah basically we've got these two bad guys which we've not seen yet but we're about to can i can i just as as we're going to the bad guys I notice as they're running across the beach because all of a sudden, oh, there's the lighthouse. That must be where the bad guys are. Yeah. So they run across the beach and just in the background, there's a guy juggling three ukuleles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not really sure why or why he ha- I don't know why he's juggling or why he has three ukuleles, but I enjoy it. It was pretty silly. But... Yeah, it lasted about two seconds. But that's but... this film is like, there's all these little background bits that you just spot and go, what the hell is happening? But there's still detail in the background, and it's great. Yeah. So we go to the lighthouse uh, we, where we meet um, the mad scientist, Dr. Fusion, and Les Camembert himself. Who... Yeah, and Brady kind of jokes as well about him being a British bad guy, which, again, so, the stereotype, so typical, and yeah. again, makes a point of saying the bad guy is British. And it's a very sort of... you get stereotypical you get maniacal laughter there's a ridiculous yeah. machine it kind of looks a bit like the tardis uh, console it's with pe- all these bits sticking off it it's, it's i think it's meant to look naff. it looks yeah it looks naff but it's supposed to and, it, and it's funny yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah they've got to get the main characters together so that they can destroy the machine causing the explosion yeah we've already said that um and then i can't remember where this scene takes place but um the note I made was that uh, Pretty Boy is dumb as shit. So they need to try and make Pretty Boy and Layla fall in love. Fall in love. Um, but their way of doing that is, again, this was overcomplicated. Rather than, like, they have a conversation and say about um, Layla and Brady being together. And she's like, no, we're not together. Yet they're meant to be getting with... I can't yeah. explain it. Like it's 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 pointlessly complicated. Basically, if she would have said yes, we're a couple. Yeah, it was a perfect opportunity to put a roadblock between 
the movie characters that loved them and them go, getting with them because they could easily have just said we're a couple and then the two movie characters will go all right never mind and then they'll and fall then in we'll love with each together. other but it, i think it's supposed to be because you know they've just broken up in real life they, yeah they're too awkward to just say oh yeah we're a couple so they both go no we're not a couple and it was like oh you've just added you know, the film could have been over half an hour earlier. It just... did more complications, so then they have to go their separate ways with the uh, the movie couples and then try and uh, make them fall in love in their own way. And it was just very strange. And then we have another song where um, Mackenzie and Brady try and convince everyone that they're not in love with each other. Yeah, they try, there's like, try and make, you know, the, in the song they try and sing about how everything opposite to them as a person is attractive. So yeah. that they fall in love with the other people doesn't really work. No, they're both they're both the characters, the the movie couple, movie couple, movie characters, are um, just a little bit not with it. Yeah. They're just a little bit not with the times, and they don't really get what's going on. Um, and the song ends with uh, it ends with Mackenzie getting invited to a pajama party at Big, and then um, Brady gets invited to a party for the boys at Big Mama's. So straight away we were thinking it's going to be Greece. Yeah, like, we, we knew pajama it was going to be. So not only are they sort of taking the mick out of movies in general, but uh, musicals in general, but they're also getting in like specific uh, references to films, which was pretty funny. Yeah, which we quite enjoyed. Um, the if you haven't guessed, we're we're big fans of musicals anyway. So yeah, this kind of didn't really matter to us because we picked up on all the musicals they were kind of referencing. So yeah. it wasn't a a bad thing for us. But then once they're stood there, you know, after they've been invited to these parties, um, Mackenzie's wetsuit, which was laid over a uh, banister, completely disappears. It just vanishes. Thin air, magic. So they're worried that um, basically they're turning into... They're becoming They're the becoming musical. the movie. So they've got to try and, you know, it adds some tension that they've got to escape. Uh, they've got, to, but you know, we've already established that they can only escape at the end of the film. So it's not like there's a time limit. It's not like they've no. got to escape as soon as possible. So it's it's setting up a false tension, really. Yeah, the 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 option is they either escape or they don't. They're not going to disappear. They're just going to become part of the musical. Yeah. So it's not like a life or death situation, is it? Yeah. And then we go to the pajama party, and um, where all the um, biker chicks are with Mac. And yeah, it's a very Grease reference. So they've all got their frilly night gowns on and things like that. Yeah, it's very makeovers. Sandra D, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but then Mac sings a really good song, basically yeah. about... It's what... kind of just girls being who they want to be. Don't yeah. be who you are to impress a boy. She's basically saying, why should a boy influence how you dress? And girls can do anything that a boy can, which is obviously taking a stab at the sort of established tone of a lot of uh, musicals from the 60s, which is yeah. obviously, it's your standard love story. Girls can't do anything boys are amazing sort of thing yeah um old-fashioned outlook on love isn't it really yeah but then i i spotted a contradiction to this theme okay which which was in the scene beforehand when when mackenzie's getting invited to the party Uh and layla's being really roundabout about asking her yeah and uh so brady has to come in and and he says girls overcomplicate everything and was like, just tells them to invite her to the party, and they go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like at the same time as us having sort of like some very feminist positivity, the male from current times but unless, was unless, basically making stereotypical comments about women. But unless he's aiming it at Layla, who is from the sixties, to encourage her to ask rather than 
Because well, it's her sleepover. Well, it's a very blunt way of trying it. Yeah, but maybe he's doing it for her to... Don't make excuses for the patriarchy. Okay. I wag my finger at you. Yes, you do. <laughs> Angrily. Oh, and then we go back to the hut and there was um, a really shit Angry Birds reference which really dates this film. Oh my God, he just had like... <laughs> What what is it? He had he had a he had a catapult. A catapult, and he was just flinging it, and then there was like a. And Brady comes in and goes, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm just attacking these angry birds." And we just looked at each other like, "Oh, oh no, no!" Just absolutely not. <laughs> that did not just happen. It kind of got brushed under the carpet, though, didn't it? I mean, give it another year, and nobody will remember what Angry Birds is anyway. No. Does anyone play Angry Birds anymore? I mean, we were, we went to um, Lightwater Valley recently, didn't we? Where they were, they actually had like a oh, like the um, it was the an play angry area. it was an Angry Birds play area originally, but when we went, they'd already de-themed it because Angry Birds is no longer yeah, relevant. You, you could see some of the boxes and the crates that were meant to look like they but did they didn't have birds, any but they had the... no angry birds no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then in the hut pretty boy um sings a song about what he likes um which is obviously very old-fashioned values whereas brady's trying to sing about more modern things uh that you know he likes about people <laughs> and ladies <laughs> and ladies and I thought it was funny because um, this is happening at the same time as it's kind of cutting with um, the pajama party song. Yeah. Um, and so there's a shot in the, at the pajama party where they they have a screen and the girls are sort of behind the screen changing in and That's out like of their. That's like a thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, dressing in and out of costumes. But then when we go back to the hut, yeah, the the diner, yeah, they have a screen there, <laughs> and all the boys are just in the diner taking their kit off together. <laughs> <laughs> Which you accept at a sleepover because they're at home and they're changing. I remember, but not in public. <laughs> I remember I actually turned to you at the time and said, you, "You know when you're you and all your mates get together at the local cafe and just get naked." <laughs> I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not, but I thought it was funny. But then by the end of the song, um, Brady is dressed like a surfer dude and. Yep. Mac is dressed like a biker He's chick. He's now a biker chick, yeah. And then the next day, um, Mac is scared and wants to leave, obviously, uh, but uh, Brady still loves it. Um, and then Mackenzie and Pretty Boy go surfing, which um, is supposed to be quite a radical thing because uh, with Mackenzie being a girl, there's an expectation that she'll be really bad, yeah. but she actually does really well. Girls don't surf, basically. Yeah. The other thing I noticed about that is... I looked like comparatively to the beginning of the film when they were clearly surfing. There were people actually surfing, and yeah. this was such an obvious green screen. Yeah, because there was... was dialogue as well, so they had to like. It just looked like they were stood on a wobbly board. Yeah, it looked really fake. Yeah, uh, but then again, you know, you could take it as in the first scene they were surfing in real life. Yeah, I... but in this part they're surfing in the movie, so it looks fake. Yeah, yeah. Which is something I hadn't thought of until right now. No, I hadn't until you said that right now. <laughs> but maybe, um, so maybe it was an intentional thing to have real surfing versus the fake. But it was very obviously but it's fake. it's still it? too obviously fake, I think. Yeah. And then we go to biker chick uh, Layla's house um, and she's having a sleepover, but just with her and Mac. And she gives Mac a necklace, which um, has is just um, a flower, but it's the same flower as on the mystical surfboard. <laughs> but um, when she hands it over, she says, it's Hawaiian. It means friendship forever. And I was like, fuck off. It's just a flower. 
It is, it's just a flower that matches your surfboard conveniently. You know, Hawaiian does have an actual, you know, it is a, there is a language, not just a picture of a flower. It, it really wound me up, up as being a bit sort of, I don't know. So, something else I just want to point out that I spotted in that scene is that when they go in and they're talking and stuff, like, Matt goes over to a record player and he's like, I don't know what to do with this, how do I use it? And I'm like... Nowadays, people would actually know how to use a record player. Yeah, that would be a cool thing right now. And yeah. then Layla's like, bitch, please, this is how you do it. <laughs> and just turns his record player on. I'm like, don't... I know it was part of a film, but surely somewhere there will be a generation of people that do not know how to work a record player. And then um, Layla reveals a secret, which is that um, she really wants to surf, but feels she can't. She's a girl and a biker. And a biker. She's the opposite of what surfers should be. And Mac basically... Uh, says says to her, don't ever let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. So we're getting some really good uh, positivity from this film, which is good. And then we go back to the lighthouse where we get some super terrible CGI of the machine starting up and basically lightning bolts coming out of the thing. Oh, and the other thing was like in the first scene, the lighthouse was in nighttime, so it looked pretty good. But in this shot, I realised that it was a CGI lighthouse oh, as well. Definitely, like they hadn't 100% even fake. <laughs> they hadn't even like gone to a beach that had a lighthouse to film no. this, and no. the lighthouse looks really shit in the daylight and really fake. And again, is this just? Is it meant to be naff looking because it's the bad guys layer and it's not actually meant to look? That's the thing. They could have, you know, they they could have made it a little bit more obvious that it was. Even it would have been cheaper to have built a, a shit model and filmed it. Yeah. And then it would have looked more 60s and more purposely terrible yeah. than using CGI. And I think yeah. they missed a trick there. I, if Yeah, I think that would have been a better way of making it. Yeah, and it's not as if Disney don't have the money. No, it really isn't. But um, yeah, so the machine stops the waves. Uh, the, the note that I'm wrote here was that it really reminded me of the the sort of intermission bits from mystery science theater oh definitely because 100 percent. we've been watching the gauntlet on netflix haven't we yeah and um i don't know if it's because the the mad scientist is a sort of quite short stocky guy yeah and, it and the bad guy's tall and skinny and yeah it really reminded me of Patton oswalt and uh what's the face i can never remember her name i don't know her name um, but yeah, those uh, it was a very similar character dynamic, and the fact that it was in a really shitty CGI, uh, a really shitty uh, science fiction style set, just really reminded me of Mystery yeah. Science there. And the thing I there was like a little skit between the the bad guys as well. I don't know if you, I don't know if you kind of saw it or if you kind of missed it, but he was saying about um, he was talking about the humidity, and he said the humidity. So the scientist was like, "Do you mean?" Hugh and he's like who Hugh no what Hugh who oh, and yeah, this went on very, for a little while but very cheesy again it was cheesy on purpose yeah and I actually liked it it was a bit pantomime this whole film is taking the piss out of itself in the right way oh absolutely yeah definitely um, and then we go back to the beach um, and Max starts singing about not wanting to sing which was pretty good so we have a basically a number where she's being she's being musicaled against her will. Yeah, because she she's falls in the water, doesn't she? Yeah. And stands up and she's like, oh my God, my hair's still dry even though I fell in the water. We're, we're still in the movie. Yeah. And then she's like, oh no, I'm going to sing. And then it's like, uh-oh. And, and she can't physically stop herself from singing. And there's puppetry and tap dancing and it's like so over the top yeah. sort of musical and it's brilliant. Um, Then the baddies turn up um, and shoot Brady with a laser. And my note for this was, Why? 
Why not? You need a captive. <laughs> like That's what bad guys do. Yeah, it's very like, I don't know. I guess it's because it's a cheesy film that we're in, but there was no reason for the bad guy to turn up at all. Well, because maybe, his... yeah, but maybe they're getting in the way of the experiment because they're on the beach. Maybe, but it's never explained. They, they literally turn up laser blaster Brady, which is a stun gun, by the way. Uh, but then um, Pretty Boy... <laughs> <laughs> and they okay. basically they run off with Brady, and then Pretty Boy and Biker Chick uh, finally li- fall in love um, by literally standing next to each other for five minutes, and they're like, and, and then suddenly realise they're in love. So that's good. At least they're back together. But at this point, it's like they they sort of get together through no help from Brady or Mac. But I think that's the point in the end, isn't it? That they always were meant to be together. Mm, so they didn't maybe. need that push. They were just... But from a plot sort of perspective, it means that um, Brady and Mac were kind of very passive in it. They didn't help them get together. They really. obviously didn't do much to... So yeah, they get. we go back to the lighthouse. Camembert explains his plan, as cheesy bad guys always do, yep. to B&M. Who have both been captured. But it's it's very annoying that we have this. And I get that it's a, a cheesy trope from a film to have the bad guy explain his plan. Yep. But at this point, we already know that B&M know the plan. Because they've already explained it to us. So this is why it doesn't really make sense. And it's a bit annoying to watch because he does explain the whole plan. And as an audience, you sat there like, yeah, I know. But that... Again, is that just a thing it's, because it's, it happens in movies? It's, yeah, it's probably the point, but it just bored me a little bit. Um, and then we go back to Big Mama's. The surfers and bikers argue over who's going to go and save B&M. Um, and Pretty Boy and Biker Chick announce their undying love for each other. And everyone's just fine with it. Everyone's like, okay. Even though they're totally rival gangs and hate each other. I really liked this about this film. Because a trope that does my head in in films is when you have these two characters that really want to do opposite things right and they don't tell their friends about that and it turns yeah. out we know basically throughout the whole film that they would be f- everyone would be fine with something if it just gets expressed yeah just say it just say it just yeah. say it which was the problem with high school musical which yeah. is troy basically not wanting to not telling everybody what he actually wants and letting his friends uh, put him in there. So it was very refreshing to have these two, you know, the the expectation is they'll say that there's they're in love and everyone will have a problem with it, but actually they didn't. And it was quite... Refreshing. Refreshing for it to just yeah. happen. And it was yeah. fine. Yeah, and they just said it and there was no boo, you can't be together. It was kind of nice because then they were all like, right, let's come together, work together and save everybody. But then on the opposite side of things, it's like there really was nothing stopping them from getting together because B&M didn't have to help out and all of their friends were fine with it. Yeah. So so it was, yeah, almost like they dropped that sort of plot. Um, And yeah, so everybody becomes united by this love and everyone's like, yeah, let's all go together to save guys from the lighthouse. They go to the lighthouse and Mackenzie reveals that she's glad to have spent this extra time with Brady and they have a little sing song. Yeah, she kind of says, like, I'm happy to be in the film now. Like, you know, it's made me realise what my dreams are. Yeah. I should follow my dreams and not just go with what somebody tells me to do, which is, you know, fair dues. And they tell um, Dr. Fusion that he's in a movie, which I loved, because then every scene that he's in from here on out, he just keeps looking straight down the camera, (laughs) down the fourth wall. And, like, even when he's talking to 
um, to Camembert, he's completely distracted by the fact yeah, that he's aware he's, just totally he's in a movie. Like the audience is like, oh, yeah, you can just kind of wave at him like, hi, we're watching you. And then um, the kids arrive and they trash the machine and it all gets very Scooby-Doo. Yeah, the, um, they try and set, set it off as well, which I put that they press a big red button, yeah. which was funny. It was kind of like, beep, boop, beep, boop, press all these the, random buttons and then just a big red button. And obviously the biker kids um, have got all them, because they're tooling around on the bikes, they can tool yeah. around on this machine to break it. Um, and then we get a shot of the lighthouse exploding with the baddies flying out the roof. I've just put blast off. <laughs> well, well, I said at the time, didn't I? I was like, looks like Team Rocket's blasting off again. Yeah, it was just very, you know, bird's eye view, up they go, looking like a little rocket, heads up like, Wah! and um, it just it just worked. And then we get some forlorn goodbyes on the beach. And it was this point that, I forgot to mention at any point, but um, they said cowabunga too much in this film. Well, it was in the description, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually in the... Uh, oh, actually, I took a picture of the description, didn't I? You did. So this was Disney Life's description of this film. Cowabunga. Dive into fun in the sun, splashed with excitement, surprises and budding romance. Life's a beach for surfers Brady and Mackenzie until an epic wave mysteriously transports them inside the retro beach party musical Wet Side Story. But I'm pretty sure cowabunga is not a 60s term. I thought the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pretty much invented it in the 80s. I need to look it up right now. Ooh. Are we any wiser? Yeah. Okay, do tell. So, okay. intriguing. Cowabunga originally was um, a nonsense word used in the Howdy Doody show in the 40s and 50s. Okay. Um, and was first adopted by surfers before then getting the biggest popularity during the... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow, okay. So, so we'll let it off. Whether they knew that or not. <laughs> but yeah, they do use cowabunga too much in this film, but obviously, again, to be dead cheesy. Yeah, so then we surf out into the storm after some forlorn goodbyes from everybody. Um, yeah, they all get sad and they're just waving like, bye, and bye. <laughs> they surf into the storm and when they come back up, their hair is wet, so they're IRL right now. Yeah, buddy. L- literally in real life. Max like so chuffed that her hair's wet. She's like, my hair's wet, I've got wet hair, my hair's wet, I've got wet hair. And then um, basically she wants to then still take on the wave that wiped her out previously. Yeah, because we um, realise when we come back that no time has actually passed in the real yeah. world. Everybody's still stood on the beach looking like, oh my God, where are they? I don't know what he actually said, but it sounded like Brady said, go shit that wave. He said shed. Oh, it sounded I'm like sure shit. I'm sure. What, is that a phrase? Go shed that wave? Go shit that wave. Well, that's it. I didn't know what the phrase was. So I mean, I go just... shit that wave is less likely to be a phrase. Yeah. And so uh, Mac rides the wave, does dead well, and then... Does Aunt- dead well. <laughs> Auntie turns up and he says, we're late for our flights and your registration. And she's decided that she's not going to posh school because reasons. Because she don't want to. So after, you know, having a very well thought out future and quite a pragmatic view of what she's going to do for the rest of her life, she's decided, no, I'm just going to stay here and surf with my boyfriend. Yeah, I just put wants to stay on island. But then that's kind of like, you know, we've been taking the piss out of shitty surfer films for then to end on that real cliche of, well, we'll just stay where it's summer forever. Um, And then we get, um, weirdly, and I didn't like this, but films need to have a finale so in the real world there was just a big dance number for the end yeah flash mob 
Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I really didn't like it because we've established that we're not no longer in the musical. Like everyone did a big song and dance. But it's still a musical. I know it is, but... The film itself is a musical. It's a musical within a musical, yeah. so, you know, it's allowed. It didn't do anything new either, because they were basically just ripping off the routine from the beginning, from the first scene on the beach. So I did not like the ending. I thought it was a happy ending. And then we have um, the closing credits and a few bloopers. Which... Oh, I love a good blooper. Yeah, there were some pretty funny bloopers. And then we get, like, a Marvel-style final post credit scene where all of the characters from the 60s turn up in the real world. and They kind of come out of the sea, and we know that they're in the real world because they've got wet hair. And they're all confused because they're all wet. And uh, when they come out of the sea, someone asks, gives Some them their weird, phone. Some weird, like, punk guy turns up, doesn't he? He shows them a, the, his phone and a picture of Justin Bieber. Yeah, which I didn't really get. I, didn't, I mean, I get that it's a phone and it's new technology, but why Justin Bieber? I don't know. And they're they're all like, ah, scary thing. And then take it and then do something with it. Yeah, I didn't didn't really understand what happened. They're like a bit of a rugby squad. They basically steal this guy's phone. And then the film is over. And that was Teen Beach Movie. (laughs) So, yeah, Kirsty, give us some final thoughts. I did. I really did enjoy it. And... There was just something about it that made me smile. And I think because it was a Disney Channel movie, I didn't know if I was going to be too cheesed out by it, but it was meant to be cheesy. Mm. That was what I liked, is that they took the mick out of it being cheesy. And that was why I enjoyed it. I think, I don't know, the, the songs in it were really good. The dance numbers were good. It was well choreographed. Good use of, like... I thought the sets were quite good as well for what they were. Yeah, well, that was one of the things was there weren't many sets. We were, you know, you just had beach, lighthouse and the hut, essentially. But because there were so few sets, they were all well made. Yeah, and they still made the most of the sets, like the, what they had what they had to work with. Exactly, yeah. No, I, I thought that as well. I, I really liked the sets. Yeah. Um, the other thing was, because there are so few locations, it almost felt a bit like... Um, you know how a lot of um, film musicals start on stage and yeah. they're adapted from stage, and obviously, like that's often why they're only in a few settings. So, like Gre- yeah. Greece, obviously, it's either in a school or it's in someone's bedroom. Yeah, basically, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, for that particular reason, because it starts off on the stage and things like that. So, I really liked it. Um, yeah, it kind of went with the idea of it being a musical, didn't it? Yeah, my final thoughts were it was dumb as shit, but intentionally yeah um, which i really liked using high school musical kind of as a benchmark i thought all of the musical elements were way better so yeah yeah, the 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 music was better the choreography was more involved the it felt more polished as well way more polished cinematography was better acting was better yeah i think the fact that they were all supposed to be cheesy made that everyone was giving it 110 percent yeah it wasn't like oh i'm I'm not playing this right. They played it up there were, properly, like yeah. completely committed to the characters. There were extras that you notice in multiple scenes because they were doing such a good job of being stupid. Like yeah. it was really good. Um, genuinely, some funny moments. Oh, there were some bits where we actually did laugh out loud, wasn't there? Yeah, and mostly because you know the the dialogue was corny, mm. um, but it was delivered well, so yeah. it was. It worked. Every, every joke, pretty much every cheesy joke landed for me. Yeah, oh no, definitely did for me. 
And yeah, and the songs just worked. So mm, so we've kind of come out with the same opinion, really. Yeah, so I would say, you know, our scoring system for this, uh, for Decombobulated, is either the films can be a legit hit or a decom bomb. And I would definitely say this was a legit hit. Legit hit for me as well. And I would watch it again. I'd watch it again. I would say I'm not rushing to buy it on DVD, but if somebody wanted to watch your face says otherwise no i'd quite happily buy it on dvd but we've got <laughs> disney life so it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah we've got disney life at the moment so there's no point but i yeah I, w- I would happily watch this film again yeah i would and i actually think i would separately listen to the soundtrack um i'm not sure i would listen to the soundtrack i thought it worked for the film but i don't know if i've listened to it separately we'll have to give it a go see what happens so you're a legit hit as well, then? Oh, absolutely a legit hit. I've honestly thoroughly enjoyed it. Which reminds me, you said that... I said last episode that you... <laughs> no. I knew you wouldn't have. I said that you could you could call High School Musical some kind of middle ground if you could come up with a snappy phrase for the, a middle ground film. Have you done it? No, because I don't do words very well. <laughs> That's not fair. You should come up with one for me. You're on a podcast now, love. You've got to have good words. Nah, people will understand me. Words words that do good. No. <laughs> I was really trying to think of something and then it rhymed with the other two things that we've already got and it don't work. It needs to be something separate. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's not even 10 o'clock yet. You've got time to sit with your notebook and think about it. Oh, come on. If any of you guys listening um, have any ideas of what we can call something that's neither a legit hit or a decom bomb, but somewhere in the middle, um, you can uh, tweet us, which is um, at without a mouse. Um, hopefully, Kirsty will come up with something. You never know. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. But um, yeah, so that's our Twitter account um, and our personal Twitter accounts. You can follow me at TimblesRH and Kirsty can never remember hers. No. <laughs> so that's us for this week. Um, so yeah, it will be back to a standard episode next week. Um, next week we are reviewing um, the Disney film Condor Man with Chris. Goodbye. Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House. Theme tune by Ether Moore.